Hello there, fanboys and fangirls and everyone in between. This is The Doctor talking. This podcast is brought to you by the Nerdy Punk Studios and is a proud member of the Discussing Network. All right, allons-y. You are now entering the Phantom Squad Podcast. Enjoy the madness. everyone, this is going to be a special episode. This is going to be a swap cast with the What's the Difference podcast and the You Suck Network. This is my awesome interview with the host Tom and our interview with the basis of the rock group Blue October. Enjoy. All right, guys. Um, so this is just going to be a podcast-centric episode. Our guest of the day, unfortunately, could not be here. But I have another gentleman from another podcast coming in. Um, I would like to – I'm actually going to let him introduce the show better because I th- cause I bet you he's going to do 100 times better than me. Um, let's all introduce our good friend, Mr. Jeremy Wilcox. Hey, how's it going, man? How bad, brother? How are you doing today? Doing good, doing good. Uh, just – you know, just got off work, did some editing, just uh, I did some logo work for a guy. So I just helped them create a podcast logo for him because I do that on the side as well. Oh, snap. Nice. Um, I am. I've made like a couple logos. That's more of my partner's uh, gig. He's the he's the brains and, and everything else. I'm just a guy who shows up in bullshits. That's that's my job. Um, it, it's a very good job because I'm rather good at it, which I uh, stemmed to like lots of years of just smoking weed and hanging out with my friends and just being like, what do you think of this? So it's it's good in a podcast form, but not so good when you want to get business done. You're like, hey, Tom, do you want to edit? I'm like, mm, sounds hard. I don't want to do that. It sounds boring. Yes, I do. I'm a one man show right now. I do all my editing. I'm actually looking at at an editor right now from another podcast I've had of mine is uh, uh, so they're one of their editors. So yeah, I've, I'm looking into that as well because it can be a bitch sometimes. When having a nine to five, we're not all Joe Rogan have somebody do it for us. <laughs> I know, right? Well. I mean, like, it's it's good to know. It's good to know how to, like, you know, like, I, I used Audacity when I was editing. I was using Audacity to, like, edit. It's a free program. It's it's rather good. It does the job. You can level eight and all that good stuff. Um, but it's, it's kind of like one of those skills that you should know if you're going to do something audio-wise because then you can release. Once you know how to edit, you can then release shows. And it's, 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 this is all it is, right? This is just bullshitting with good people, usually, real, you know, like, like guests um, or whatever. But you are, in fact, a guest. I, I don't know why I just threw up quotes like that. that was insulting wow i'm a cunt if i were you jeremy i'd be like fuck oh, you no. i'm a better guest today what oh, else no, I showed up today? <laughs> all right man <laughs> so you have a fucking show i'm gonna pull up the info right there jam uh that's nerdy punk studios i believe that's your studio so let's try this one uh fandom yes, squad is, is all right all right absolutely so fandom squad podcast uh do you want to tell everybody what that is Yes, it is. Uh, I started about a year ago. I just hit my one year, uh, I think like two days ago. I forgot to put an awesome. episode out about my one year because nobody cares. <laughs> uh, I care, Jeremy. I care. <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's a multi. It started just like me just reviewing uh, like geek shit and just talking about like Bigfoot and UFOs and just crazy shit I was into. And eventually, like I got a I wanted to do like guest interviews and t- talk to people and so it kind of evolved and like my first big guest was h john benjamin for you listeners that's the voice of bob on bob's burgers and archer from the show archer and he just gave me a chance and so i was like well if that guy can you know help me out i kind of got into the interview so that's what mainly what i do now 
is I talk to different people in the business. I've talked to, you know, directors, I've talked to artists, I've talked to, you know, book authors, anybody who has a story. So no matter how big name you are or not, I'll come talk to you. And then I do on the side, I do uh, reviews of TV shows. Like I just did, I got Paramount Plus. So I've been doing all the 90s kids shows I grew up on. So I'm reviewing all those to see if they hold up or if they were just shit. And I thought they were great as a child. (laughs) Um, Dude, I I see it funnily enough. We use, okay. So background, people know this, but you don't know this. Um, This is actually the first time me and Jeremy have actually spoken, spoken. We've been messaging um, for the last couple of weeks, but we've never physically spoken like we have now. Um, I started off on a podcast called Thorskin. Aha, joke. And um, it all, uh, do you, are you, you're familiar with Kevin Smith, obviously, Ralph Garman, Hollywood Babylon by chance? Yes. Yes. Okay. So Hollywood Babylon is one of my favorite podcasts of all time. Um, I was an admin for the, the Garmy, which is a, a fan page of theirs. Um, and like me and a few other people, the admins, and I used to just crack wise and just say funny things like I tried to. And a dude reached out, a British boy reached out on the internet one day and he was like, hey, Tom, um, I think you're kind of funny. My co-host is having a baby and I'd like to know if you want to do a podcast. I was like, that sounds gay. I don't want to do that. That sounds stupid. And he's like, well, what if you try it? And what if you like it? That's not what I said at all. I was like, that sounds awesome. I'll try it. Why not? And um, he had to send me my first mic. I bought it off him. It was a blue snowball. It worked. You know, it definitely did the job. And um, we just started recording. And from day one, that was three and a half years ago, almost four years ago now. And we we start off, but the thing is, like our first real guest was Charlie Adler um, from uh, the The Walking Dead. He was the artist for The Walking Dead. He happens to be a Shrewsbury local, um, where my partner's from. And we slowly but steadily realized that a lot of the guests that we were being introduced to didn't fit the criteria of our geek fandom. Like they weren't the people that we. So we're like, okay, we got to rebrand this because it's kind of hard to ta- have people take you seriously by saying a joke name like Thorskin. So we developed this show, which is what's the difference podcast? Because one day we were having a conversation about oh you say things in english that i don't understand and i say things in english that you don't understand what's the difference between what we're saying and that's kind of the the ongoing joke and we've been doing it for so long um so i i absolutely understand that um i i think it's amazing the amount of people that say yes to podcasts right like you you have this small show we are not joe rogan we are not kevin smith but the the amount of people that just give chances and just want to talk to us is just phenomenal i don't know if that's because they want to take the chance per se or because they're like i remember when i started out and nobody gave me a shot what do you think that is i think it's just they see the same thing like like h john told me like off air he was just like yeah i saw you and he's like i saw like you didn't have a big following at the time like i have a lot more listeners now but at the time he was like i saw that you were a fan and that i want to give you a chance and i don't really do podcasts but i We'll give you a chance. And he made a joke. He was like, if I don't do any podcasts anymore, it's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> it's a claim to fame, though. Be like, listen, I, I have a lot of claim to fame, but he doesn't do podcasts anymore because of me. I'm just saying, oh, yeah. Like, then he, it's funny because there's a if you listen to the reel and I use it as a bumper now, uh, he fucks up the line where he's like, hi, this is H. John Benjamin. He listens to the Fantasy Club podcast. He fucks it up. And I was like, oh, do you want to do it again? And he's like, oh, no, no, we got it. That's great. Use the fuck up. It's funnier. And I was yeah. like, okay, that's you being a comedian making the good choice. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, it's it's it's. I mean, we're not gonna like. I'll play the video at the very end of the show. Um, I fucked up my bumper today. I used the old bumper. Uh, we've we've had a few of them made, and I and I love the one that the most recent one that we've had made. But I didn't get to use it today because I was um, we we were supposed to have the uh, basses from Blue October come on today. Um, I don't know exactly what happened. I didn't really uh, bother to double check with it. So he he's not here, but that's okay. I'm sure there'll be an apologetic email in the future. Be like, I'm so sorry, I missed it. Which is you know put them on something else that's fine um but because my buddy andy from the horsepower hour um i don't i don't know are you part of like any of the uh the facebook uh podcaster groups a little bit i'm on every now i'm on a few of them there's some of them like i'm I don't, there's a whole bunch of them that i'm a part of that i'm just like let me just post this here <laughs> <laughs> well the way that you and me met was um a 90s nostalgia uh type thing it was just um like obviously uh, how old are you man let's start off there how old are you uh, 26 26 oh all right fucking even younger than me so like you you're <laughs> like your knowledge of the 90s is probably i mean obviously you know a lot about the 90s but like maybe the tail end of the 90s is more of well, your i'm the baby of five so like my older brother is 10 years older than me so like all of his ninja turtle stuff became mine and then i had my sisters who grew up in the 90s so they had like their in sync and all their stuff so my music genres are very weird because i have his like uh what is it uh public enemy and then they're in sync and then my dad's classic rock so yeah i'm a old i'm old i sound older than i am because i have that influence of like five things that got hand me down to me <laughs> it's fucking amazing man um like when like okay so it just happened to be all the things that i loved growing up and up becoming prevalent right like we all get older and then we have a bigger voice as we get older so everybody that's in their 30s and their 40s right now we're into the things that i was in as a kid so i i happen to have like a little bit of a voice when it comes to those things and it's nice because like a lot of my favorite 90s things are people that i reached out to like um i i loved are you afraid of the dark so I really wanted to speak to somebody that was involved with that. And we ended up getting very, very lucky. And DJ McHale, the creator of Are You Afraid of the Dark, come, came on like uh, October last year. I set up a whole month of like spooky type stuff. And he was like the my favorite get of all time. Like one of them. I was like, dude, this is just so phenomenal. And he like remembers a lot of it. But he's like, well, you might not remember this. And I was like, oh, no, I remember all that and more DJ McHale because I still watch your show right now. Like it's it's the most horrible Canadian horror anthology show for children. I still throw it on to this day. Be like oh it's like oh where were you this nick at night motherfucker you remember this the big orange couch hook that's in my vein um so that's how i kind of roll nowadays which is actually very popular with people and i and i was excited to see um that you were into a similar thing so how did you come upon being like i want to this is what i want to do and this is what i want to talk about because that's always important as a show well i I kind of always like originally I had my microphone like because I do a lot of voice acting and do voice stuff and I tried oh. to get into that and I'm developing my own animated series at this moment and so I was like I have a decent voice and I was like I always you know for I wanted to go to school money wise I wasn't able to but I always wanted to go to school for audio engineering but uh, the the church I was in at the time I had like experience from like two guys who had. 30 years and the other one had 40 years of like audio engineering experience. So I just learned from those guys and I got into, you know, broadcast media and learning how to do that kind of thing, you know, recording stuff. And so, and like, I've, like I said, I've always been in recording music as well. Cause I'm a musician. So I'm multi fucking oh. talented. <laughs> yeah. Don't ever undersell fucking Jeremy Wilcox, man. He's yeah, got a lot of so, shit going on. So hence, like I'm wearing, I made my own fucking merch. Yeah. How else are you going to do it? 
Yeah. Like, so like, but yeah, how I got into it, I've always been like a big fandom guy and like, I've liked all different things. I'm like, I know there's multi, you know, pop culture things, but like, they don't do it in this certain way. They have like only one show for this or this show for that. I'm like, nobody does like a altogether geekdom. So I was like, well, why don't I make one show where we just don't talk about just the fandoms. We also like talk to the people, a part of the fandoms who made it. Like one of my favorite guests, like you said, the guy who created the, are you afraid of the dark? I got to talk to John Davey, who is a creature actor for Dr. Who pretty much. If you've seen any guy in a mask, any Dalek or Cyberman, that's the guy. All right. All right. I wish I really wish Alex is here right now because he's my partner, Alex Whiteley. And uh, he's a British bloke. And he would be fro- frothing at the mouth right now because I believe he likes Doctor Who. I, my sister likes Doctor Who quite a bit. I never quite understood it um personally in fact my 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 sister liked it so much and her husband loves it so much that like they had a doctor who themed wedding and um i'm i'm very much of a bastard where they were like show up as your favorite doctor who character i was like i don't like doctor who you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna show up as something else so what i did instead was um i fucking showed up with a suit because it was my sister's wedding i didn't want to be disrespectful but i had a i had a hi my name is sticker on it and it said uh bruce wayne on it so i was like yeah that's my favorite fandom right there batman Batman, my sister's like, you're, you're an asshole. I'm like, no, yeah, I know, but that's okay because I'm your brother and you love me. Um, So where are you from, brother? I am from Macon, Georgia. It's like an hour away from Atlanta. So I'm in the oh, South. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fucking where the Walking Dead was shot. Yeah. I'm, I made my girlfriend, hence uh, my hat. This is from Sonoya where me and my girlfriend a couple of weeks ago just went and like uh, as an anniversary thing to, cause she's a big, big, huge walking Dead fan. Like I used to be like, I read the, the graphic novels and I watched the yes. show, but uh, it, it says big words to me when the creator kind of goes, Hey, I'm kind of done with this. And you can definitely tell the creator is not a part of it anymore. So yeah. I kind of, after Robert Kirkman left, I was like, yeah, this is not for me anymore. Yeah, it, it started getting a little but wonky. But she still loves it, and so we it's great. I like I like the graphic novel quite a bit, um, which I got introduced to. I didn't even know it was a comic book. It was one of those things I found out was a was a comic book after the fact, and um, I think it was in its first season. I was like, and I caught it first episode, and I was so in love. I was like, oh, this is where TV's at nowadays. This is excellent. And then um, you know they hinted at the fact that it was a uh, it was a, uh, a comic book. And so I started collecting them. I got the first uh, Compodium um, like soon after that. And I fucking loved everything. So it was just so brutal, so honest. It, made me, it reminded me of like a James O'Barr type of deal. Anyone that's not familiar with James O'Barr, he's the one that uh, wrote and drew the uh, the Crow comic book back in the day. Um, black and white, very gritty, grungy, indie. It's so beautiful. And I, I just really fucking loved it. So you're from Macon, Georgia, right? Macon? Did I pronounce yes. that right? Okay, making Georgia, yes. um, which I've actually been to, by the way. Um, a lot of my family lives down south, North Carolina, Alabama. So I've been to Macon, Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, or at least drove through it. I was like, hey, look, Macon, because uh, I remember the name. Um, uh, it's basically, if it's it's the place that has the big cherry blossom festival that like Otis Redding and like Little Richard's from here. Oh, yeah. yeah so a lot right. of like, yeah, a lot of famous musicians are from here that are like a lot of older musicians are from Macon. Oh, okay, that's see, that's what's up. I mean, there's something about that that sound, right? Like sound from the deep south, fucking, especially when it comes to like rock and roll and a lot of country is just you know really. Oh yeah, a lot of blues musicians as well. It's it's a Absolutely. lot of blues as well. Like I think Muddy Waters. It's one of those other guys. I can't remember that. I think he was a uh, 
one of the guys that play with Muddy Waters is from here as well. Oh, that's what's up, dude. Um, so what are you uh what are you watching right now? Like obviously you're into fandom, you're I mean, is there like are you a guy that tries to keep up on everything? Are you a guy that really kind of falls into the into the loves of your life and then you never leave? What is what is your like uh, what is your TV or movie watching experience right now? I'm trying to keep up with everything, but it's hard because I work night shift. So it's hard. Oh, so do I. With hey. everything. Yeah. So it's hard working up doing that, you know, watching when you get home and try to sleep at the same time. But um, I'm into a like I just got into uh, the good place. I watch, you know, Mandalorian uh yeah. invincible i just finished that i'm big into comedies and there's one that me and my best friend are right now we just watched the second season it's called uh tim robbins i think you, you should leave what? And it's uh it's uh it's so funny it's very very dark dry humor mm. like uh there's one scene he's in the uh like a big rubber suit trying to prank somebody and he's like i'm freaking out there's too much shit on me i can't breathe he's like and then he just stops. And he's like, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like the rubber suit. I just, I just, I can't, I can't. And he's like freaking out and just all these little skits and shit. It's just, it's hilarious. And then uh, I'm big into like, I'm a big comic guy. So like DC, Marvel, I, I think we can all coexist. So oh, I like all that. My biggest fandom that a lot of people are shocked about because of my age, I am what I would consider myself a Beatles historian. So like the Beatles are like my one fandom and like, it's my favorite band is the Beatles. Paperback writer, writer, writer. What are the Beatles? I don't. What are we talking about here? <laughs> um, my mom was a is a massive Beatles fan. Um, I, I'm very grateful that like my road trip experience, which by the way is a purely American thing. Like, so there you of course find some anomalies throughout the world, but like road trips is American. That is Amer- about as American as baseball which of course is based off of cricket but regardless um fucking it is american as hell and i've been driving the east coast interstates from the day that i was born until today like when we go places i prefer to travel by car for um, you know a bunch of different reasons but one of them being that like the road trip soundtrack and it was always the beatles it was the rolling stones it was led zeppelin it was the beach boys it was all these things that kind of like still are in my playlist today like when i when it's summertime i mean you don't play the beach boys in the winter that sounds stupid but like in the summertime windows down beach boys blaring dude followed up with some really good classic beatles there's nothing better than that right oh yeah that's that's that was me too like because my dad is a big like classic rock fan and like so i kind of when uh, having like my parents being split up like when i would go on like weekends with him that would be my time you know just hang out with dad on you know go hanging out road that's what we would do just road trips going like yard sales and stuff and you know Know, work on stuff but we would listen to you know classic rock at the same time same bands you know his favorite which was kiss and then a little bit of which i had a great moment recently no hate to anybody who likes five finger death punch but my dad uh I, they're okay but he was like son i found this awesome band called five finger death punch and i was like i like i like they're good dad but let me show you somebody better and i introduced my dad to kill switch engage yes Yes. Oh, Jeremy, you and your buddies already, man. Well, see, the thing is, I my issue with Five Finger Death Punch is I liked some of their music when I first started, like Jekyll and Hyde. I was like, oh, that's a cool song. Um, I, f- I found into him later on in life. I'm a big snowboarder when I can. Um, obviously, I got three kids, so like I don't get to do as much as I'd like to. But when I do, I always have much like akin to road trips. I like a playlist. I like listening to music while I snowboard and kill and um, 
five finger death punch made their move onto my playlist for a hot second. And then I watched some of their music videos. And as much as I support the soldiers, I'm like, those motherfuckers really support the soldiers. Like every single video, I'm like, dude, you don't have to make every single video about the soldiers, but get it. You like them. That's cool. That's great. Like yeah. make your music, something about you. Like, and I get that one of them's in the service. So they served in the service at one point, but it's like, dude, make say something more individualized to yourself and don't just do it because you understand that now a bunch of people that are serving our country, some wonderful people that are serving our country are going to like it because they're represented in your music. That's, that's a little silly to me. Oh yeah. It's like somebody that I love because of his uniqueness, even though I know he gets some hate because it's, quote unquote satanic uh i'm a big rob zombie fan and i just oh, i love dude love his stuff my dad was even surprised he was like oh son i've been listening to him since the 80s and with white zombie and i was like okay we can bond dad i i love i love rob and my girlfriend she's a big like she listened to his music but she's more about like his movie stuff so i was like yeah. oh if you like his movies let me show you his music videos and i just showed her the one uh the, what is it? The life and times of a teenage rock God. And yes. it's got like a Rip Taylor devil. And she's like, what is this? I was like, this is the guy that you like making your movies. <laughs> well, I find that to be such a nineties notion, by the way, of like satanic. It's, there's nothing. It's a show. And the thing is, is like, if we think about like kiss, the kiss is a great example. And they, I guess they would call him satanic. They have them satanic as well. At one point or another, everyone was so convinced, like it stands for knights and Satan service. Like, no, I don't think it does. They've, de they've devoured that a few times. They've also played with it too. Like, yeah, sure. It does. Maybe it does, but they're got, they, they understand that a show is a show. And sometimes when you want to go see a show, you put on a stage performance and rob zombie understands that better than anyone else i went and saw rob um uh, i think it was like two years in to know my wife so like 13 years ago he came up to vermont and it was an excellent show did he understands how to put on a performance like no other oh yeah definitely he and he said it himself like he's like i grew up around you know carnies and at a like carnival circuses and stuff he's like and i basically hookers and carnies and clowns were my life. So that's what became my brain and informed who I am. So what you're seeing is what these, all these, in his words, all these fucked up things just mushed to my brain and you got Rob Zombie. And he's like, then you're throwing a little bit of monsters and universal monsters. And there you go. And which I'm looking forward to, I don't know if you've seen, he, uh, speaking of fandom stuff, he's actually working on a, uh, I think it's either a, I think it's a series, a monsters, uh, reboot series. Oh, no kidding. I don't even know that. Um, okay, so this just got very, very interesting. Um, hey, Jeremy, I don't know if you want to stick around here for a hot second, but um, yeah, um, this can be interesting. Um, all right, guys, so here's what happened. I'm, I'm guessing times got messed up, um, but that's okay because our, our guest actually showed up. Do you want to stick around for an interview, Jeremy? Yeah, sure, dude. All right. Um, I, I really wish I could ask him prior to um, him coming on because I don't want to butcher his last name. Um, but if anyone's familiar with the amazing band Blue October, we have the bassist, Mr. and Matt Noveski. And please tell me I got it right, Matt. You said it perfectly, actually. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Master of last name. That's Tom Bruno. Fuck it. I, I can say all the last names. You got one that's simple to say. I got it. Smith. Um, Smith, yes, Smith, yeah. Brown. These are the names of our generations. Fuck it. If you got anything else, don't don't say it. There you um, go. Okay, so Matt, this is Jeremy Wilcox. <laughs> Jeremy Wilcox is a buddy of mine that I met on a '90s nostalgia thing, and I kind of started this an hour ago because um, I'm guessing the times got crossed, like they sometimes do when when you're mis mixing with uh with the British timeline, the Eastern Standard Time, the Pacific Standard Time, like there's so many different times and they get crazy. And I'm guessing something got lost in translation, but damn, I'm grateful that you're here right now, man. 
Oh, is that okay? It's, I, I, I had oh. 2 p.m. my time, so... Um, no, you're you're good for me, man. I cool. I do the, oh, the yeah, opportunity to be able, <laughs> the opportunity to be able to speak to you, sir, is far more valuable to me than any time. Like times no, times is is it was crazy. Okay, so anyone that is not familiar, and how dare you not know who Blue October is? Um, they are a rock. They're all. I mean, is alt rock band even the thing to say anymore? Does that seem kind of offensive at this point? No, that- I. Man, I love alt rock. I love hearing those words these days. You know, um, I think I think we still consider ourselves an alt rock band, but we 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 like to we like to call it art rock. Art rock? Yes, yeah. actually, I saw that on your Wikipedia. I was like, art rock. Yeah, is that like folk art rock? Are they going? To- <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Justin says romantic art rock. So I don't I don't know. He's I don't know. I can't keep up with him. He's just got way too much energy. I, I like that though. I like I like throwing like a positive spin on something that people might deem to be not necessarily like because I always like alt rock. Like alt rock is tends to be the genre that I particularly like, but a little bit more. Um, uh, an amazing band from Texas, and um, there's a they have a few top hit singles, including one off uh, what was it, uh, Into the Ocean, but as well as the one that I was the most familiar with, which is Hate Me. Right. And when my partner. Um, and it was like, dude, this is who we're interviewing today. I was like, oh, okay. I'm, I think you need to play this. I was like, oh my God, I remember that fucking song. Holy shit. That's who's coming on. He's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> and you, sir, play an instrument that's near and dear to me. Uh, you are the bassist for said band, correct? I am. Yes. I'm the bass player for the band. That's the uh, that's the instrument I played as a kid. Oh, um, that's I awesome! Man. Yeah, I I am not musically gifted at all. I I played bass because we had a, a like everybody that wants to have a band when they're a kid. I um I had a band called Extortion X. Nice. You know, no no E X. Oh, right uh, you, you you probably heard of from none of the music that we put out. All the <laughs> time in the basement that we spent, we were really big to our parents right. who hated us. Um, <laughs> but um, funnily enough, I I played the bass. Um, I got to play it in jazz band which was the only way you could play a, a good instrument was by being in jazz band, yeah. which means I also had to play the trumpet. Um, so that means all my friends are like, oh, you just like to blow things. I'm like, yeah, I do. I, I like trumpets, bro. <laughs> that's, that's how it goes. Um, trumpet's but, not but, easy, man. That's hard. Dude, it, it wasn't easy. I, I mocked yeah. every, I didn't mock, but I, I imitated everybody else around me. I'd watch them play and that's how I'd get through band the entire time. I'd be like, you're pushing down this key this far. I probably (laughs) sounded horrible. I bet you my band instructor hated me. In fact, he hated me so much that he lived down the road from me. I got a note on my band. This shows you how dedicated I was to music. I got a note that really threw me off. You know, as a kid, you, you, everything just kind of makes you mad anyways, but I got this Mm -hmm. note on my, on my stand, which said, Tom, I saw you smoking today at the bus stop. He's like, if you don't stop it, I'm going to tell your parents. And I was like, fuck you. And I fucking quit that day. I dropped off my shit. I took my base. I'm, I'm too rock for you bitches. So where does That's it great. all So I, obviously, I kind of spoiled the surprise Texas. But I mean, how does it all start for you, Matt? So, well, so I'm actually the only guy in the band that's not originally from Texas. I've been here oh. since uh, since nine, uh, New Year's Day 99, actually. I moved, I moved down. Um and um, so, I, so I mean, I've been here forever now for 23, almost 23 years at this point, been in the band for, for that long, um, minus a very brief hiatus uh, in the early 2000s. Um, but I grew up in northern Michigan, so I'm moving from the very top of the country down to the bottom of the country was a huge kind of, it was a, it was a big deal. And it was, a, it was culture shock and it was everything else. But I, um, I, I saw the band live and, th- and, and that's what got me hooked that's what got me really interested 
had a they had a, a self like a self produced record that they had made in the mid nineties, and I was familiar with it. I had heard it, um, it, but but it wasn't until I came down and I saw the band in concert in Austin on Sixth Street, uh, playing at this place called Steamboat, which is kind of this legendary like downtown Austin club that I was fortunate enough to be able to go see and then see just like it was that kind of intangible thing. You know, when you see certain bands and you're like, holy shit, like this is destined for greatness. You know, I remember seeing Rage Against the Machine in 93, (gasps) the beginning of 90. No, it was like late 92. And I was like, this band is going to be massive. Like they're going to be massive. There's no way they're not going to be massive. Right. Uh, While like, I don't, I don't consider us massive. um, You know, we have been successful and we've been able to do it for a long time. Um, I, I, I like that. That intangible thing was definitely there, you know, in the show, in the live show, for sure. So you, so you have a similar story to the guy who sings for Journey right now, because he was a fan of um, of Journey for a very long time. He just happened to really sound like the dude from Journey who passed away and all that. Yeah. Um, so that, that's that's a fucking excellent story. That's way better than being there from the beginning, because being there from the beginning is one thing, right? Like you're there, you start up a band, you happen to get famous, whatever it might be. Being the guy who sees something and loves it, and then you get to be a part of it, that must mean a lot more right it was very cool man it was a really cool like the stars just aligned for sure you know i was i was in bands in michigan and i was always kind of like um i was the guy that was always mailing press kits in my band you know and trying to get gigs and like and like yeah well you know you need a fill-in band four hours away we'll be there fucking be there you know like <laughs> who's got that's gas what money? i did Let's ship it. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll worry about that when we get to the gas station yeah um <laughs> I got things I could sell. I got a kidney. Yeah. I got a mouth. I got all these things. Who wants Dude, gas? That's st- story of my life, man. <laughs> Dedication um, is what I hear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, get, you know, getting to come down and, and, and see it. And then like, I have to be a part of this, you know, like there's something, there's something happening here that I've got to be a part of. And being able to do it was like, it just really, really perfect timing for me. I had just broken up with my girlfriend. My band was in this like kind of weird hiatus up in Michigan at the time. Like my job sucked. You know, I was just pretty much like, it's time to go. (laughs) It's time to go anyway, you know, and it worked out great. So is there like a culture shock um, jumping from like, I mean, cause I'm from a top of the country as well. I live in uh, Newport, Vermont, which is the tippy top most part of Vermont. Like literally if I fire a potato launcher in any given direction, it's a terroristic act at that point because I'm going to hit Canadians and you don't want to do that. They don't, they don't like that. They're very nice, but they don't like uh, potatoes anyways. Um, so is it a big culture shock going from the tippy top of the country all the way down to the bottom? Did Jeremy freeze? Did I freeze? Did I freeze? I must have froze. Is my is my internet doing something wonky? Oh, is I can it? still hear you. You can still hear me? Okay, so you're still there, Jeremy. Matt might not be. Yeah. We, might have, we might have lost Matt. Matt might join back in. I think Matt's froze. Matt is froze. Either that or he's the most serious rock and roller of all time. He's like, I'm not even going <laughs> to dignify that response with an response, dude. I'm going to fucking stare at you cold-heartedly and tell you how I'm going to kill you later on. I had so many questions for Matt, too. Oh, he's gone. He'll come back. I guarantee he's going to pop back up. And, Jeremy, feel free to cut me off and shut me up whenever you want to because I tend to want to, like, as we were talking earlier, I tend to want to overpower any conversation with my massive, massive voice. Um, Yes. Oh, Um, oh, I know. uh, Same as being a a podcast host myself. I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to cut off the guest (laughs) or the other host. I don't want to cut anybody off because I'm used to being the one going, huh, so how did you uh... (laughs) – Um, 
it's all good. Um, I was just saying that your stare was so powerful. I was like, man, he's just so serious. This is what happens when you meet real artists. They're just so powerful. And I'm sitting here bullshitting in his face. Um, so is it a culture shock going for the top of the country to the bottom? It is, man. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, and this is like pre, you know, it's not like the, like people were just hopping on the internet back then. And, you know, everybody was on the same page. Like you, you were, I went from an area um, that just felt very, like, I feel like I, I, where I was at, it was like, oh man, we are like on top of everything. Like we know what's cool and what's hip and what's now. And, and then I thought Texas before I came down, I was like, Texas has got to be just tumbleweeds and belt buckles and like, you know what I mean? And like everybody rides their horse to work or whatever. And I was really shocked when I came to Austin to see what a beautiful, just beautiful city it was and how, how like there's rivers and in lakes and trees and it just blew me away, man. But, but it definitely was a different world, you know, like I, I like hearing people say y'all was super weird to me at first. And <laughs> I just was, you know, it took me a while to get used to it for sure. But, um, but now I, you know, I live in, in Austin, just outside of Austin, Dripping Springs. And I can't imagine being anywhere else, man. I love it's, it here. It's funny how quickly you pick up on the accent too, right? Like before oh, you know, yeah. you're like, am I posing these guys right now? I'm like, I don't mean to, but like, this is how they talk. And yeah. I feel like we're all sort of chameleons in our own way where like you move somewhere different. You are somewhere. I, if I go, okay. So um, my, a lot of my family lives in North Carolina. When I go down there, I start picking up the drawl really fast even though i've never lived there but i visit the, every single summer i'd go down there and spend like a week or two so it's yeah. amazing how quickly i pick back up on it did you find that to be something true to yourself or is that not so much the case i didn't notice it until i went back you know until i went back and i saw my friends back in michigan or my family and they're like what happened to you and i you know i'm like what i don't have an accent and they're like oh yeah you do you definitely do like you definitely don't sound the same you know, as you, as you did when you left. But then again, I didn't hear the the Michigan accent till I moved away. And I was yeah. like, holy shit, that's gross. You're you like, know? listen, you're all a bunch of assholes yeah. right now. I'll tell you that much for free. <laughs> that's pretty much, you know, like my, my sister. South, uh, I don't know if you guys can hear my accent. <laughs> I can. I can tell you here. I'm from the tippy top north, man. I hear it all. Yeah. And, and of course, like I don't pronounce my T's like I say Vermont. Vermont and yeah. um so like anyone else like where the fuck are you from I'm like Vermont and they're like oh what state's that and I'm like you bastards we're the 14th colony <laughs> I'll have you know right. are, the Green Mountain man, boys I have war I, Vermont is one of my favorite places in the world man it's oh. absolutely I love Vermont it's such a beautiful part of the country it's absolutely Thank gorgeous you. that is yeah. so kind of you to say and what Not a great really. liar you are no, I, I'm serious I love it I absolutely <laughs> love it and, and and um maybe we just had great experiences when we were up there but it was what's the name of the venue that we play there um, higher ground higher ground yes yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the big oh. one man higher ground um funny story is like that's where i saw rob zombie me and jeremy was probably talking about before that's where i saw rob zombie my buddy damien um he was like he was the good member you know how everybody has like a really good member of a band like mm -hmm. you you're so I, i'm not gonna that's no commentary on yourself sir that's just like speaking in my own personal experience i was sure. a shitty bass player um but i was different though i played left-handed bass and i was like i'm just like paul mm. mccartney bitches and i yeah. yeah i have no talent and i can't play so right. i was nothing like paul mccartney <laughs> um <laughs> but like um he was the he was the real heart of the thing because he could he just understood music like nobody else did that i knew um yeah. there who was it eve six came and played at higher ground and nice. they had this competition on the buzz which is the local radio station the the rock radio station and they're like yo call into the buzz play an eve six song over the over the phone and if you win you get to go on stage and play with eve six my buddy 13 at the time beat out 
everybody else that called in. He got a, they gave him a Walshburn guitar and all sorts of things. Oh, and he got wow. to go on stage and play with Eve Six. Um, it was it was really really cool thing. So that's the venue for everything is higher ground. Uh, walk so me cool. through. Walk me through. Um, obviously you listened. You listened to Blocktober. You're a fan. Walk me through getting to be a band member. How's that go? Well, so I actually, the guy who was developing them had introduced me to him and, um, I knew him kind of long story short. Like I said, I was the guy that was always, um, that was mailing press kits and always trying to find opportunities and hustle, you know, hustle, hustle, hustle. And Mm. we opened for a band that was on universal, um, called sister Soleil. And it was a last minute gig. It was in Lansing, Michigan. And it was like one of those things where, again, you're playing like you're losing money to go play it. But I was like, I don't care. I just want to play. So we went down and we did the show. And um, a couple of guys from her band really liked us, like really liked us a lot. And I think it's because we played a Pixies cover. So I think they were just like, oh, we like you guys. And so they introduced us to her manager. And that same guy uh, was developing Blocktober. And so he introduced me to him and he gave me a copy of the CD. And I was like, man, there's, this is poetry. Like there's some really something interesting is happening here. And obviously they, like nobody in Michigan knew who they were yet, you know, um, um, or who we were yet, I should say, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, he invited me to go down and check it out. And I didn't like, at the time I was like, it's a free trip. Yeah, I'll go. Hell yeah. And I really like the, I like what I'm hearing and I think it'd be really cool. And I, but I didn't realize completely that the, his kind of game plan was there was a girl that was in the band before me on bass and she wasn't super serious. I don't think she was super serious about it. Mm-hmm. I think bass was a hobby, but you know, like for me, like I, that's what I do. Like, that's my passion, you know? And I'm, it's kind of like what you were saying earlier. Like there's sort of, I always say there's two camps of bass players. There's the guy who was the shittiest guitar player in the band. So they made him play bass because it has four strings or, yeah. Like I really was drawn to bass because my uncle played bass and I, I grew up on Motown I, and then punk rock. And, you know, so like to me, I just always gravitated toward the instrument. Um, so I was very serious about it. And I think that he knew that I was really serious about it. And so he kind of had these grand designs of like, maybe I can introduce these guys. And if she doesn't work out, he'll jump in the band. And and like I said, the stars just align. Like Justin and I, I met him. We flew down. I met him. And then I, I met the guys and. And it was all very innocent. Like, I'm just going to check out the show and enjoy a free trip and then go home. And then it turned into like uh, something else, you know, mm-hmm. where, oh, there's there's an opportunity here. And uh, I man, two weeks later, I packed up my little Volkswagen Fox and broke my lease. And I said, fuck it. And I moved down. And that was it. That's amazing. man. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a Motown and stuff like did you have any influence in like the R and B sort of like with the flea? Like, did you have any influences with that, that same kind of rhythm instead of just your normal, like bass that from like regular, like, you know, seventies rock, did you have that more influence from the hip hop? So I, um, funny enough, the band that I was in, I was in a band called switch up in Michigan. And we actually, we covered, uh, the far side. We covered, um, Oh my gosh. Like everything from like rocket from the crypt and pixies to far side and tribe called quest and de la soul. And so I like, that was a big part of my life. So when I started making my own decisions, Motown kind of came from my dad. Right. And my Mm -hmm. uncle. But then when I was old enough to make my own decisions, I got really into, you know, Jane's addiction and fishbone. And, um, I I was like really into the chili peppers, of course, flea is a huge influence. But so when I, when I started playing bass and bands, 
I mean, I went right from like, pl- like not knowing what the hell I was doing to playing Primus and Chili Peppers. Yes. You know what I yeah. mean? And so like, that's, that's what I was playing. That's what I, that's, that was my, you know, that was my thing for sure. Yeah. See, my biggest problem was like, I did not take the good influences. Like I wasn't, I was listening to tool, but I wasn't listening to tool. Right. Like sure. I knew like schism and stuff, but you, if you listen to certain bands, you can really how listen to how bass driven they are. Like Les Claypool from Primus, like fucking mm-hmm. um, when you listen to tool, it's very melodic, very bassy. Um, even going back to queen, like a lot of it's very bass driven. But the thing yeah. is though, is and obviously with the drums and the guitar being as prolific as they are, that's what people tend to have an ear for. As yeah. I got older, I was like, damn, do I really waste my time? There's all these, amazing influences that i just missed out on because i wasn't listening but now that's all i do like when i listen to like rage against machine i hear the bass first is that how that works for you do you pick up like uh the bass rhythm of it all and then you pick put the rest of it together or how's that go for you when you hear music um it's all because i i produce um i produce other artists and and i've been doing that for a while now um i i kind of like i feel like a lot of bass players wind up producing other bands because the bass player role in the band a lot of time is just to glue everything together you know because because here's a fact and whether people want to admit it or not um whether you have like a really solid pocket playing drummer or not every guitar player rushes i don't care like they all fucking rush every single one of them doesn't matter how good they are like they all are always ahead of the beat so i'm always like okay you open up pro tools or whatever. I'm going to slide the guitar back just a tiny bit. It's going to sound just right. Okay. The bass player in a live show is basically the producer because all you're trying to do is to get the drummer and the guitar player to play together, you know? And like, so to me, that's kind of like, that's a big part of being a bass player. So you wind up like the sort of the quintessential personality of the bass player is like, you're usually laid back, (laughs) non-confrontational, um, you know, chill, fun to be around. Um, like that to me is like, that's kind of always the bass player in the band. You know, it's like the, um, um, what's the movie with Kate Hudson, almost famous. Yeah. Where like yeah, the, yeah. The, you know, the bass player is like, they're arguing. He's like, can't we just get some barbecue? You know, it's like, that's totally <laughs> like, that's the bass player role, you know, is to be like the voice of reason, but to also really kind of keep the band fucking like playing together and glued together and let everybody have their moment, but, but be comfortable with being, taking a step back and not being at the front of the stage, you know? And like, I really, I really like that. I really relish that role. I enjoy it. it. It's, it's so true because like, like my favorite bands growing up, like uh, my two favorite bands of all time. Um, we followed CKY around for a long time. I fucking love them. Dude. I I had Darren on not too long ago. He is an amazing, amazing dude. I was so grateful to talk to him. In fact, I was such a big fan that um <laughs> um uh bam margera released a shoe a long time ago an audio shoe and it was a cky signature shoe and it had a it had a dude tell me i have this shoe right here i do oh, okay i'm gonna be a fucking asshole and show okay so i followed cky around for so fucking long that i was in so many band pictures like if you can look oh, nice. right here oh, oh right there that fat face right there is me as a 16 year old kid in the front of a cky show Whoa. and i just happened to be on a shoe my buddy called me up oh, when they freaking crazy. the fuck i was like dude you're on a fucking shoe you're michael jordan and that's like, crazy oh yeah yeah i listen to a lot of uh, cky i listen <laughs> to a awesome. lot of do system of a down dude they are my favorite things and if you think about the bases from there yeah. they are not the ones that cause the drama and i'm not saying that music yeah. is naturally dramatic i'm just saying like there's a lot of personality when it comes to music there's got to be you're mm-hmm. creating art for fuck's sake yeah. And when you think about the basis of most bands, they are not the ones that are creating the, the dramatics behind it all. Um, yeah. You never thought of Shavo as being dramatic. He's just the guy that's just like, when you look at the, the signature players, he's like, dude, he's just there flipping his fucking guitar up, man. He's that's just who he cool. Is. 
it's just, just cool, cool as, as hell. fuck with his beard yeah. and shit, dude. He's the fucking totally. man. And he's a badass dude. bass player, too. Yeah. Yes, he fucking thank you for yeah. saying that, Matt. I yeah. appreciate you even more, man. I love his playing. Yeah, I dude, love his playing. Is, oh, they're just one band, dude. They they like them, Rage Against Machine. Like, I remember like kind of offspring. I remember falling into a groove with things, and they weren't the things that my friends fell into. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. CKY was we all traveled together to see them, and System of Down is something I got introduced to by my best friend. But like mm-hmm. you, you, you kind of like have differences in music. I was really in Sublime. I was really into Offspring. I really like Blink-182 for the longest time. Like things yeah. along those lines, a little more poppy, a little punky. Um, and of course, you know, Sublime being like that really weird amalgam of like ska, reggae, punk, and the, like uh, like a little bit of rap too sometimes. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny how you fall into your groove. Now you said R&B um, and, and Motown were kind of influences. What bands really kind of drove you as a kid? Was it always those or was there other things that kind of like made you who you are today? So I'm so I love Motown. I'm from Michigan, so of course, like the Detroit Motown scene was a big deal. Stevie Wonder, The Temptations, like all the Barry Gordy bands. Like I, you know, I, I just I really grew up loving that music. But I actually always had an affinity for the West Coast funky. Like everything that came out of the West Coast to me was super cool. Sly and the Family Stone in particular. I love Sly and the Family Stone. I love Larry Graham. I love his bass playing. Like I, you know, um, and then of course the Chili Peppers kind of the same thing. They were like, they came from the West Coast, you know, and they like, uh, Anthony was originally from Michigan. Oh, and actually Chad's from Michigan too, funny enough. So it's like you had the Detroit meets LA kind of weird thing happening there. And I think that there's something, I don't know, there's something about that that's I've always really liked. I like the like California surfer, you know, meets like Detroit funky thing. I've always just been a big fan of that for sure. But yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, so you join up with Blue October. Um, mm-hmm. You know the stars aligned, as you as you were so well said. Um, walk us through, like you know, the first concert, what it leads up to, what like bring us into like your first big hit. Walk us through that if you don't mind. Well, so so funny enough, like um, the first concert was great. Actually, it was it was in the, it was in the band's hometown, which is in San Marcos, like right, just thirty minutes south of Austin. Everybody really welcomed me with open arms. It wasn't like the band wasn't quite at a level yet where it was like I was replacing somebody and got a bunch of hate mail or something. You know what I mean? Like people were just super cool about it. And like, I just like instantly just felt like I knew everybody forever. And it was a very like comfortable environment. It wasn't hard to jump into. Um, It was just really fun right off the bat. But I also wasn't used to playing in a band that played as that much, you know, it's like my bands, we were lucky to play one or two shows every weekend you know, so going to from that to like, I remember the first time, like after two weeks of playing, like going because at the time, Justin and Jeremy, the brothers in the band, their dad and mom were essentially managing the band at the time. I remember going after a gig and we all met and it was like, oh, yeah, here's your paycheck. And it was like fucking it was like 500 bucks or something. I was like, holy shit, I just got paid. Like, I actually am, I'm actually making money, you know, like I I wasn't expecting to get paid. I just thought I'd just go play, you know. So like um, it, it's like kind of stepping up into like, oh, I'm in an outfit that actually has their business together. And actually there's a, an actual budget to record. So it's not like, hey, man, can you know, like I was used to like you know, going to my friend who had a studio in, in Ann Arbor and being like, Hey man, I will, I promise I'll pay you back later. If you'll just let me have four hours, you know? And it's like, to like an actual professional atmosphere was like, for me, that was a big change. You know, I just wasn't used to it. Um, 
So the shows at first were easy. What, what, what I, the hard part for us as a band, honestly, was when we made our first album, we, we it just didn't react and it, mm. and we got dropped. And so to me, like being in your early twenties and, you know, and the whole world is your oyster and, oh man, I'm, I'm signed and I'm going to making a record in LA and like literally like, you know, like all the bands you're just talking about are like in the same studio you're in, you know, like all your dreams are right in front of you to like, okay, the album comes out, it falls flat. Nobody listens to it. Nobody gives a shit. Like that was really humbling for us. Mm. So, so long story short, it wasn't until 2006 when foiled and hate me and into the ocean were on that album. It wasn't until then that we actually had a hit hit. So we went from being really underground and like not fitting in with the Limp Biscuits and the Corns and like just kind of being like the bastard child of those festival shows to all of a sudden we have this record that's like we get re-signed to the same record label, which is crazy. We put this record out. And by that time, it's like when you're, you know, I'm six years in or seven years in with the band at that point, you don't think anything's going to happen you know, you're just like, yeah, we'll just make a record and we'll have some moderate radio play and whatever. And then all of a sudden you're out doing radio press and your man and our manager is like, guys, it's number two. Yeah, like, yeah, holy yeah. shit. Like this is blowing up. And, but at the time it's like, is this real? Like we've been doing this forever. We're just used to getting by, you know, like, is this actually, does this really mean anything? And then all of a sudden we got to a level of like, okay, now we're touring nationally, headlining, drawing people, and opening for the Stones and Kiss and Aerosmith and all the bands that you want, you know what I mean? Like, the, like the the real big shows being on huge stages, like that was like it wasn't something that happened quickly for us at all. So I feel like mentally we were able to handle it. Yes, which is a big part of why we're still together today, honestly. Oh, absolutely. And I, there's something to be said about you know putting in the time and the energy because a lot of those bands that just get big really, really fast, you know, like you said, they don't stay together. They don't. They don't appreciate. It. They just nosedive as quickly as humanly possible. It, yeah. It's it's unfortunate, but it's a true thing about music. Sometimes you're hot, sometimes you're not. And when you put in the real work for it all, not only do you love it more, not only is it more unreal to you, but it's also you appreciate it more and you don't take it for granted. Do you think that's the case? Yeah. I think so. 100% man. I, again, I, I have a studio here in Austin, so I get to, I get to work with a lot of other bands and see a lot of other bands and, and, and the bands that come through that have been doing it for a long time that have really been doing it for a long time. It versus like the baby bands that are blowing up that come in. It's a different world, man. Those bands come in and they're like, they don't take it for granted. The, the bands that have been around a while, they're very grateful that they can still play and they still have an audience. And like, and they take it very seriously as where like a lot of times with younger bands that have instant success or immediate success, the bands don't last, they blow up, they fight, they don't get along. There's egos. There's, you know, it's like, I'm important. I'm just as important as you. And it's like, it's just, you know, it just, it has a tendency to implode, you know? So, and then not only that, it's like going through what we've gone through for the last year and a half I think there's a whole new sense of gratitude. Like I feel like almost every band that's at least getting out there and playing now is like, holy shit. Like having that taken away from you and now being able to do it again and play again. Like there's a whole new sense of appreciation for it. Uh, for so everyone. Have you got to do a show since the end of COVID? Like, have you guys got to get on backstage yeah. and, and do your show? So we, um, we have done uh, five acoustic shows, full band acoustic, Full capacity, though, you know, like like pretty big, pretty big crowds. 
And the first night was in Dallas and it was like, it just went, you know, I went from like a year and a half of like not being around people very much to playing in front of whatever 1500 people or whatever. And like, man, Oh my God. Like, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but you want to cry, man. It's like, I've missed this so damn much, you know, like this is such a big part of my life and to have it back was such a great feeling. But we, the, the, the electric show, like the rock show are, are we, we start September, the first week of September actually. And we'll be yeah. out for three months. You guys are uh, going to be touring with Goo Goo Dolls, right? My buddy kept on throwing that out there. He's like, he's like, they're going to be touring with Goo Goo Dolls. Do Goo Goo Dolls? I'm like, dude, why Goo Goo Dolls? Ne- like, I, is that is that the case? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so not this fall. That's actually next summer. Okay. So that that got rescheduled twice. So we were supposed gotcha. to do it one summer, and that got pushed to another summer, and then I got pushed back to another summer. And um, it's kind of funny because I like I, I mean, I can only speak for me, but when the Goo Goo Dolls. Like when I moved down and first joined the band, they were massive and they're still oh, really yeah. big, but oh, yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah. But I was so wrapped up into being like, you know, I like Jane's Addiction and I like Strung Out and all these other bands that like I never really gave Goo Goo Dolls a chance. I never really gave like Semisonic a chance or Gin Blossoms or a lot of bands that were kind of part of that era. And now hmm. I look back and I'm like, the songwriting's so freaking amazing and so fantastic like i should have appreciated this back then man so i'm really excited to go out and play with them i really well, am I, I think there's something to be said about youth and being closed-minded when it comes to music at least i can speak personally i don't know about you jeremy when i hear your opinion one second like um you like something and it's right in your your wheelhouse you love it but anything that's not in that area you're like no yeah. you just have howard right you're like oh like my little sister was really into um into uh my chemical romance but that was like not my scene so i was like ew you and your stupid emo music and then like later on in life i realized that six of the songs i love the most are from them i'm like wow i was just an asshole that was being judgy because i had no time for your music when it's really like you were ahead of me with what's cool jeremy do you feel that's the do you think that's right a little bit. Well, for me, it was a little different because, like I said before in the early interview, I grew up with, like the youngest of five. So I kind of had influences like from my brother from, you know, Public Enemy, my sisters at NSYNC, my dad oh, with classic rock, my mom with country. So I kind of got a little bit of everything. And so like. It's just, I guess it just depends. Like for me, if it sounds good, I'll listen to it. But like I'm the same way. Like there was a. I'll give you an example, like Jonas Brothers at the time when I was young, I was like, ah, gross Jonas Brothers. But when you go back, you're like, damn, they actually have some pretty good, some pretty good songs. And I was like, admit to that. And then, so it's just like, the one thing I wanted to ask you too, as well, like being a producer with like music stuff, um, how have you like with the young artists, like about being like a one hit wonder, like, you know, being like the flock of seagulls, having the one song that the guy doesn't even play anymore. How would right. you as a producer when an artist ask you, like, how am I not going to become a one hit wonder? That's a really good question. Um, and by the way, I can re- I'm the youngest of six and I can totally relate, man. It's like my sisters were listening to Prince and Rick James, but my brother was listening to Iron Maiden, you know. Yeah. So I, I actually have this really funny memory of like when I was a kid, I was listening to Prince 1999 on my sister's record player with headphones and I was laying on my bed and I opened my eyes and my brother was like standing above me with this look of disgust. And he was just like, Oh, and he like stormed off. And I was like, Oh no, I let my big brother down. You know, I should have been listening to Metallica, but, um, 
when Dove's Cry is a fantastic fucking oh, it's, song. Oh, now, what, dude, yeah. dude, it's so great, especially now that he's dead and everything. You'd be like, yo, Prince yeah. is excellent. Michael Jackson, and I've always loved Michael Jackson. I mean, like, I, I know yeah. it's very controversial to say or whatever the fuck, but the man's dead. Leave him alone. Um, I love that shit so fucking much. And there's something so to say about that, like, that early to late, like, fucking rock and roll, because it's all and like entwined in a rock and roll. I mean, you can't listen yeah. to beat it and not think that you're like, dude, that's one of the greatest guitar riffs of all time. There's a reason that's put on so many things and so many people fucking use it. Yeah. Um, that, but you know, let's get back to Jeremy's question. Though, yeah. That's a very, very good question. I'm sorry. I, I, you said Prince. I was like, I fucking love Prince. I do too, man. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was actually just listening to beat it and thinking that too. That's funny. Um, yeah. So what, like working with younger, uh, with younger artists, uh, that's a big passion for me is like, I, it's not just producing albums, it's mentoring. I, I love mentoring and I love working and, and being through so much bullshit myself and being through so many ups and downs and drug abuse and, you know, the band almost falling apart and like everything that we did as a band, like, I feel like it's almost kind of a duty for me to, to help other kids and to help other young artists and musicians like, Hey guys, like you don't have to go through the same shit we did, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to share some stories or I'm going to help you navigate some of these things. And I really enjoy doing that. I do. I love working with, uh, I have three kids. So, um, oh, you so know, I. so I, uh, nice. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I I, uh, it's kind of, but it's kind of like, it's that same, like, you know, what you, you, the role of a dad, you kind of take some of those same things and that same philosophy when you go in the studio with younger artists or artists that are now half my age, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, but to me, like, I think more than anything, um, there are definitely, uh, I, I would say that artists are so worried about being a one hit wonder that they wind up being more concerned with being cool than their music and their craft. Mm. And so I've had experiences with, with artists where I'm like, look, of course you don't want to be, you know, just known for this one song or this one thing. And you wind up hating that song eventually and you have to play it forever. But at the same time, you you, your, your songs are everything, man. Your songs are your babies are your assets. Like don't, don't shy away from a creative idea. If it seems too mainstream or if it seems too accessible to you, just because you think you need to be clever or cool because being yes. clever and cool, isn't going to help you. It's not going to move the needle in any way. You know, well, th there's something to be said about having an anthem, right? And I'm sure for many a people, you know, Hey Me was an anthem at one point in their life. And that's important to people. Like there are plenty yeah. of songs that stand out. They're like at this time, like I can imagine like sitting down, listening to this and I was going through a bad breakup or whatever it might be. And that song meaning everything to that person at that time. Yeah. So when they hear that song, even though some people might not like that song, and I'm just using yeah. your song as, a, as an example, not that sure. it is the case, but um, like it, it means everything to them and it brings back the nostalgia and so much. So even if you yourself at that time are not too you know, fond of it, you, I'm sure you play that song still because there's those people that are out there. Yeah. Now that's, <clears throat> that's very true. Um, and for us in particular, the music is so, I guess like that's the biggest difference between being in Blue October versus all the bands I was in before that is very rarely were we actually ever saying something in my old bands, you know, it was mm -hmm. like, oh, that's a cool riff, you know, and so it's like, why don't more girls show up to our shows? Well, duh, they don't show up because you're not fucking saying anything, you know, yeah, you're not yeah. like, they're, they're not <laughs> connecting, you know, so being with Blue October has been has been really like sobering in that way, because Justin writes everything lyrically from the heart and everything is very like 
nothing is held back. Nothing is off limits. Nothing's, you know, it's like, it's very, very honest and very genuine. So to us, even if like, you know, playing hate me live after a while is like, okay, how many times are we going to play this song live or whatever it is? You know, it's like, can we, can we just not do it this tour? (laughs) You know, just once, can we not play it? Like, of course, every band experiences that with the song that they're expected to play over and over again. But to me, um, I, uh, I think the thing to remember is like you, you look at the people in the crowd and you see their reaction to it. And that's what matters. It's not about like, I feel good playing the song or not. It's about that somebody is connecting with it and it's helping them. That means everything. It's, it's so incredibly important. I mean, music, like whether you like to admit or not, I mean, most people would not have a problem admitting it, but like, it just means so much. And it's such a good, um, barometer to be able to like point you in certain ways. And it, in it, uh, like, there's certain songs I still put on, say, like, you know, like when doves cry or like a thriller or something along those lines where I'm like, oh man, I remember when I first heard this. I remember who I was with. I remember yeah. what it meant to me. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a time machine. It's one of the greatest time machines of all time. And I don't think, I think people tend to take that for granted, which is an unfortunate thing. Um, so you mentioned that the band went on hiatus. Um, at one point, um, you guys had some problems. Do you want to, you want to talk about that at all? Or do you? <laughs> So, skip over that. Yeah, no, that's fine. I, well, I, I had a personal, um, I left the band for two years. Um, I had a personal hiatus. Um, uh, but I, I found my way back into the fold very naturally and very easily. Um, and fortunately, nobody worked out while I was gone <laughs> on mm. bass. Like they had a couple bass players. They're, they're really good players, actually. Very, very talented musicians. Um, um, I'm actually friends with them. Um, really good friends with one of them. And, uh, it was just more of a, it was just more of a, I think that I, like when I joined the band, we just developed this brotherhood and this chemistry that's just kind of there or it's not, you know? And so I think that when they, they just never really gelled quite the same way with anyone, when the opportunity came back up for me to come back into the fold, it was just a no brainer, you know? And I, I really missed the guys. I really missed the camaraderie. I got to do my own thing for a while, which is really fun. Um, but, uh, I, I need, I had some growing up to do for sure. I had, you know, I had to kind of work through some personal things and, and, and get my shit together. And so it it worked out for the best for sure. And then later, uh, I like to say Justin took his turn. Um, Justin got really, really bad, uh, into, he was going through a pretty nasty divorce, and uh, drug abuse became a major issue for him. Yeah. And it pretty much tore us apart at one point. Um, but when we figured out exactly what was going on, we instead of just going, well, fuck it, you know, like got to move on. We we had an intervention. Yeah. Just, you know, the, the classic intervention, you know, and sent him off. There, there's something to be said about that because once again the camaraderie i really wish i had that in my life and said i had a wife that was just tired of my bullshit she's like listen you're sneaking around you're doing drugs yeah. and it's not helping our family at all like you need to get your shit together if you want to keep doing this and i was like yeah it's a very valid point i remember uh, remember my breakthrough i i've i really always like you know i grew up smoking weed i mean of course mm-hmm. you know drinking i stopped drinking at one point because i was like eh, i don't i don't really like the way it feels but painkillers make you feel excellent all the fucking time and i don't care who yep. lies to you says that they don't they do and if you have um some you know personal demons about you there's nothing that silences them quite as easily as you know just popping a pill an infant pill whatever you might have you um or going a little bit harder if that's your case and i remember 
having my second kid and I, I went cold turkey a few times because I really wanted to fight it. But the thing that, you know, people don't like to talk about is unless you truly want to stop, there is no stopping you. Like you, yeah. you will always fall back to it so easily because life is hard. Life yeah. is not never going to be easy. And the easy thing is falling back. That is the easiest thing in the world. Try, try standing up above your bed and falling backwards. So simple. You just fall. Yeah. Um, and it's the same thing with drug use. So I remember, um, my kid, luckily nothing bad happened whatsoever. Um, that he was in the bathtub, this much water, like literally just splashing around. Ah, everything's fun. And I'm sitting there doing the nod and all of a sudden splash, like a loud splash. I fucking jump up and I run to the bathroom and he's like, ah, everything's fun and happy and stuff. And I'm yeah. like, that's how quickly it happens. Yeah. That's what happens. And that's how people die. And that's how you're going to lose your totally. family if you don't smarten the fuck up, man. Yeah. So it, uh, like that was the last time that I really kind of like fucked around. And I, you know, I, I owe it all to my family and my wife, who was just very, very understanding about the fact that, you know, we're all broken. We're, you know, we're human. That's our biggest yeah. thing is we're, we don't like to admit that we're flawed. And so you can't always be Superman, but drugs make you feel like Superman. So you're like, fuck it. That's what I'm going to do. And that's kind of how I personally grew. And it's, it's always good to have people around you that can be your support structure because one of the things that you don't want to admit is that you're flawed, your friends. I'm sure it was very hard for him to tell you guys or for you guys to confront him about the fact like, listen, dude, you're really kind of hurting this right now. And you are a great person as you don't need this to be a good person. It might make you yeah. feel great, but you don't need it. What was that like to you? Like as a bandmate trying to confront, you know, a friend and a brother to tell him that he needs to do something about this. That was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, to be honest with you, like sitting down and like, reading our letters, you know, like we all wrote a letter and reading our letters to him uh, with his wife, who he's still with, who is an amazing, amazing person. I'm just so thankful he found her because that set him on the right path, you know, and then us all coming together, the band, our management, his parents and her, we really are a big family and we are a big family because we went through this traumatic thing together and came out the other side, you know, but he, he, he could have made two decisions. There are two decisions in front of him. Right. And he made the right decision. And it was incredibly difficult to sit down and go, look like you, you, I love you, but you suck right now. Like you <laughs> suck right now. You're, you're just you're like, you're, you're what the fuck, you know, like, please don't do this. Like, please just, you're so much better than this. And for him to listen and go, okay, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go deal with this. And then um, for him to come back embracing sobriety the way he has has been unreal. I mean, it really has. And it's just put us as a band in a completely different place. And like to be, you know, the age that we are and like doing what we're doing now and, and continuing to play the shows that we're playing now and like going through what we're going through now. Like it's man, we owe everything to that intervention, honestly, like that, that's, that's pretty much the whole reason that the wheels didn't come off the whole thing in the first place, you know, but, mm. um, but, you know, I, I went through my, you know, to be honest with you, it's not something I talk about a lot, but I actually went through uh, the exact same thing with the pills, uh, exact mm. same thing with, you know, and part of the part of the issue, too. And I still like I, I get pretty passionate about this um, uh, when I when I read certain things or when I hear, you know, uh, the opioid crisis um, yes. and, and is is for me a big thing that was kind of a mindfuck to me um, when it was happening was. I had a prescription. And so yeah. I didn't realize that doctors were just getting me hooked on something. 
and just wanted me to spend money and come back and keep me as part of the machine. And you justify, well, it's not heroin. It's not this. It's not that because it, I'm getting it from a doctor. You know, it's like, I, I have a certificate for this. Don't tell me what to do, you know? And, but then when you're, when it, it, it doesn't work anymore and you got to buy it and you waste your money and you chase it and you, and you're being a piece of shit, you know, like, uh, it, it can happen quick, man. It really can. And I, oh, yeah. I, I can relate to that story very well. It's, it's so funny because like you, and I'm sure you might feel the same way. Like you feel like such a scumbag, like pulling out money from your bank account, going and buying these things that your body is craving at the moment. But the moment you get it in, you, you forget all about it. Like, Nope, it's cool. Everything's fine. I'm better now. Yeah. And you, you totally just diminish because of the realest moments or when you're withdrawing and you're like, man, dude, fucking, there's just so much wrong with me right now. I need to yeah. fix this. But then you get high again. You're like, oh, no, I'm probably fine the way I am. I, I was, this that is was how I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to feel great all the time. Life's yeah. supposed to be great, right? Yeah. Um, dude, that was some of the, dude, Matt, first of all, thank you so much for sharing that, dude, because I mean, it's real talk. And sometimes people get a little like, you know, uh, trepidatious about sure. it. But real talk is so incredibly important because it helps people not fall into the same pitfalls that you or I happen to fall into. Um, we're, we're running a little bit late on time. Um, my wife just, you know, I don't know if you saw her coming. She was like, Hey, do you want to go on a boat? And I'm like, that yes. sounds awesome. <laughs> I know, I know. Listen <laughs> on a good note. Listen on a good note. You got, uh, you got three kids. You don't have to drop names or anything. How old are your kids? Uh, 13. Uh, nine and five. Oh shit! You mean your yeah. dude? Okay, so I got a ten year old, I got a seven year old, I got a six year old. Man, we're there in the you same go. Kind. Um, <laughs> they all. obviously they obviously know who dad is. I mean, they yeah. they must be pretty stoked about this. Yeah, man, they are. Uh, and particularly my my you know my thirteen year old is she's at that age where it's hard to be a thirteen year old, you know. Um, yeah, and um and you know, but for her, like she's really she's very supportive. She really loves the band and she's like really, really good friends. Like we all have kids now. So they're, they're all kind of this big family too, which is cool. But her and Justin's daughter are the two oldest and they have this really cool friendship. That's really, it's awesome. Seeing the bond between them is awesome. You know, and my youngest is actually decided he, he tells people he has a band called green October is his <laughs> band, which is fucking hilarious. But I, lo I love it, man. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. I'm going to, I'll see you in court, son, but that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. it a lot. Enjoy it while it lasts. That's cool. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You just walk by you're just playing your bass. Like what? what <laughs> yeah. dad oh my <laughs> fucking god jeremy do you have any questions for matt dude before we head out of here um now that i can think of that's that's that i asked the main ones that i had you you hit the ones that i didn't get to <laughs> all right excellent dude okay well let me okay first of all jeremy dude thank you very much for coming on the show in general and thank you very much for sticking around dude like you you're an excellent host dude and um please tell everyone what po um your podcast and where they can listen to you Oh, yes, it's Fandom Squad Podcast by Nerdy Punk Studios on all your platforms. And just look up the, uh, you'll see the Ramones lookalike logo talking about ripoffs. <laughs> yeah, it's not ripoff. It's, don't say that. La, la, la. Anyways, um, Matt, where can people follow you? Where can people listen to your music, man? Please, this is your time to tell everyone everything about you. Yeah, so we actually have our own channel and app now, which is super exciting. So like a bunch of our live stream concerts, a bunch of our, our documentaries on there. It's, it's getbackup.tv. So go check it out for sure. I highly recommend it. Um, and then, of course, you know, blueoctober.com. Uh, Blue October is on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and all that. Me personally, I'm only on Instagram. I'm pretty terrible at social media, to be straight with you. But um, 
but as I'm just Matt Novesky on Instagram, just my name straight up. And then also my studios on there, it's orb recording studios. So if you get a chance, uh, orb studios, ATX on Instagram, go check it out. Absolutely. Um, really quickly, let me just tell you guys, um, my, this, I am Tom Bruno from what's the difference podcast. You can find our stuff on uh suck Um, that is our hub for all of our amazing shows. We have this show. What's the difference. There is uh, Wednesday night live, our weekly what live show. Uh, we have yelling at clouds, Eric Fluger. We just barely, re- um, our friends, uh, over at you suck chronicles now just chronicles. They released their last episode on our platform. They will be doing their own thing. So please check them out. Uh, we have pod aid coming up on September 29th in international podcast day we'll be recording 24 hours for you live we are bringing on a bunch of amazing guests we have comedians we have hosts we have so many different people that are coming together for this great charity which is lingan davis it's a cancer charity out in shropshire and um, they, they really need our help man we need to do something and this is also a challenge in the future if you have a show or something we are challenging you next year to come on and do your own pod aid to join up with us and we're going to raise some more money for some other different charities so please keep your eyes peeled for that um i'm going to get our play our intro music and then we're gonna get the fuck out of here so let me do that do, 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 and i'll play the good one this time i listen up spuds this is that brannigan eh? master of time space and everything else in between and uh, oh yeah winner of this year's modesty award you're listening to you suck what's the difference with al and tom you're one stop for this sort of thing yeah leaving the fandom squad podcast you've been listening to the discussing network find out more at discussingnetwork.com <laughs>